Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Fun and Interactive Podcast. I'm right. Hooray. I see some people are already rolling in, which is fantastic, so hello. Yeah, welcome everybody. So, for those of you who were unfortunate enough to miss it, instead of being fortunate enough to make it, uh, Justin got to stream for the first time ever on Twitch, all by himself, <laughs> tonight. I did. Yeah, I did about three hours. That was, uh, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. So, I, I know that we, we talked about some topics, but right out of the gate, I want to hear about your experience. Like, what you thought, how you felt, what you would do if, uh, you know, you could do it again in the future, etc., etc. Okay. Um, so first of all, I was super nervous going into it, um, which is crazy because I like literally talk to people for a living, but, um, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I could be interesting for that long. And because all of the stuff I've ever released has been on YouTube, like I have left a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor. So seeing me unedited for like three hours, I was worried I was going to get salty and that, uh, I'd have nothing to say and stuff, but you know, it, it kept going, and I had a lot of fun. People were, you know, really communicative. I played a bunch of decks that people suggested, and I had a great time. Uh, I mean, I won three games with uh, Mono Neutral Dwemer. <laughs> you know, we we played some meme decks, and we had a lot of fun. I am super impressed with all the work you put into this, though, because it was also exhausting. Yeah, just for just for three hours, but uh, you know, that's to be expected, especially if it's your first time. I think a lot of people take for granted how difficult it can be even just like just watching chat and then just watching a game right like if you're trying to hold multiple conversations right and be attentive and responsive but then also pay attention to the game um it's very akin to you know i uh early in my career i worked like a, a fair number of like customer service jobs and then even when i was getting started in certain areas like i worked uh, for a local police department, and part of my job was uh, taking 911 calls. And I remember, yeah. I remember what it was like the very first time I was trying to talk and type at the same time. You know, and <laughs> yeah, absolutely. and that's like the best like real life example that I can think of in terms of, you know, your your brain is trying to do one thing, and your mouth is trying to do another, and your body language is trying to do another, and it it definitely gets easier with time, but um it also gets harder with time like first you get used to talking for a bit and then you add notifications and bots and all these other things that you're trying to manage and monitor and mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's kind of a it's kind of a unique beast it was fascinating i mean really i'm really glad i had the experience really glad i did it a friend of mine uh let me uh, use his internet for a while he has Comcast. I have CenturyLink. CenturyLink's not available where I live. I live in unincorporated Jefferson County on the outskirts of the uh, Denver Metro. And uh, I am ready to have some high-speed internet and do this more often. Sandra and I were actually talking about it. Like, I think our plan is once we get high-speed internet to, uh, to to do a stream every once in a while and then just like do it all for charity. I mean, that's our plan. I didn't, you know, I don't know how Twitch people make money, but if we do ever make any money doing Twitch, we're gonna donate it all. Uh, I mean, that would be solid. Uh, yeah. There are certainly a lot of um, people who do charity streams, and I know that uh, Twitch actually has some pretty 
uh, like decent hookups for ways that you can support certain charities. So cool. That that would be legit, and I could certainly help you out with that kind of that kind of That'd thing. That'd be great. Um, it's something I, I sort of got like we got a, a taste of it with uh, we donate we're donating the money the YouTube channel made in uh, September to uh, relief efforts in Puerto Rico, and uh, you know once you once you got a taste you got to have more. <laughs> yeah. No. Ab- absolutely. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I kind of want to ask you about your experience is what yeah. what do you think would have been different about your first time streaming if nobody had showed up because i think of um you know many people who don't necessarily have an audience like right into their first foray i streamed uh if if you can believe this i streamed for two weeks before i got my first viewer oh wow so okay um yeah like how do you think that that would have changed things um Gosh, I'm my first reaction honestly is uh, like real sympathy, you know, like um, because I know like how cool it feels to have people doing the same thing you're doing, right? Like that's why we do this because of the, the the shared experience and the community and the the positive vibes and stuff. And so uh, I would feel rejected, honestly. I would feel rejected, and I would feel like uh, I wasn't creating the environment that I wanted to be creating. Um, I was I was been really fortunate with the YouTube channel. I was the first guy to make a YouTube channel for the game, and so uh, people had no choice if they wanted Legends <laughs> content, <laughs> but to uh, but to come hop into my channel and watch my stupid shit. So I've never like been without an audience. You know, it's uh, it's weird. Um, that's it would I think it would hurt my feelings to be totally honest with you. Well, I mostly just asked it because I wanted I wanted to plug that you know. When I very first started, granted it was a different game and a different time, but when I first mm-hmm. started, I streamed for two weeks before I got a viewer. And so mm-hmm. if you are new to either streaming or content creation, um, yeah. don't don't let stuff like that uh, get to you if you can help it, right? Like that's yeah. mostly what I want to just say for Absolutely. Uh, you know, aspiring people or new people do you got to push past that. Uh, talk to yourself. Uh, I drove my wife absolutely nuts, and I still now to this day drive her nuts because I will narrate what I'm doing around the house, and she'll all the time <laughs> turn and be like, you know you're not streaming right now, right? I'm like, yeah, but now it's a developed habit. So um, That's funny. You know, the best, the, the best advice I can give early on is uh, hide your view count number from yourself and then just... Hmm you know, narrate if there's dead air and pretend like you have an audience. And then when people do speak up in chat, great. And then if not, like, it's no harm, no foul. Because the last thing you want to do is get into this habit where if nobody's in chat, you're not saying anything. Because yeah. that that's a problem twofold. One, when somebody does come in, right. you, you might have like 10 seconds to grab their attention. And if you're waiting, you know, to speak for them to, you know, interact with you, if you're waiting to speak... Um, and they, you know, watch for 10 seconds and they think that you're just doing nothing. Like they might bail out, um, you know, just have fun, you know? Yeah, it's true. And part of what I think helped me stay relaxed is that there were three other people in the room playing, uh, Smash Brothers. uh, Smash Brothers, there you go. (laughs) Obviously I I don't have any idea how this works. (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't stalking you or anything. (laughs) 
there were people in the room playing playing games, having a good time, and so it, it like took the pressure off. Like no, you know, like that other people in the room were relaxed as well. Uh, I, I got that you know cool feeling in the room. It was neat. So the other question I want to ask, and that's because um, it's something that I've been aspiring to do for a long time, but I don't have the equipment for the setup that I would like. Yeah. But now that now that you've had your one outing, and now that you have extensive yeah. uh, experience with you know your YouTube channel. How would yeah. you feel about streaming tabletop games? Because hmm. you you know you were talking about the people yeah. being there and the the That's vibe true. and the good time. That's true. You know, if you could come up with, I mean, I the, my idea of how that looks good involves multiple camera angles. Yes. You know what I'm saying? No, a hundred percent. I already I, I have envisioned how I want to do it. I just don't yeah. have the equipment to do it yet but i have like a weekly game night and they have expressed interest in me broadcasting it and i'm dying to do it that would be cool that would be cool um i would you know one of the things i watch online is uh in-person um four-way pornography no i'm just kidding (laughs) in-person four-way uh commander games for magic the gathering right that they're sometimes on uh online and uh I like the camaraderie and, and the, the back and forth between the people as they're playing. I almost it's, find it more interesting than, than the games they're playing. Yeah, I could you see know, that. Other people are having fun, you know, it's easier to have fun yourself. And, you know, that brings me back, actually, to one of the hardest the things. The thing I was most worried about with the stream was that I was going to get really, really salty at some point and then just, like, not want to do it anymore. Like, when I'm doing the YouTube channel, if I sit down to record something and it doesn't go well... Uh, I just quit and I come back tomorrow, you know, yeah. with the stream, I'm committed. So, I mean, like I said, th- I think the one takeaway I have from this more than anything else is a tremendous amount of respect for dudes like you who are out there doing this, you know, on a regular basis, because it was, uh, it was daunting. And, uh, I can imagine a lot of ways where you fuck it up pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it creates a whole lot of empathy for people like C Spence. There's your name from the past. Oh my God. You know, or... Yeah. I don't know. You know what, though? Everybody I else, always, right? Like CBH. I always felt for that guy. I yeah. always felt for that guy. And I defended him for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I was going to say, like, you know, CVH, Link, the people who, you know, put in the long hours, right? Um, yeah. The people I'm envious of because I work the many jobs that I do, so I can't put in the long hours, but... Right. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, you and, I, you and I are a little older, and, like, this is a hobby for us. Yeah. We're not trying to, you know get paid <laughs> I, I know but th- it's something that i enjoy i mean the american dream is to find something you enjoy doing and right. then make a living at it and then you know, you know the old like you'll never work a day in your life cliche pops out but right um, like yeah i i have no uh no illusions of grandeur that i'm ever going to make a living from this by any means but you know, yeah. I, I would say that I would welcome it if it were ever an opportunity because sure. I would I would way way prefer to just keep making content instead of daydreaming about the content I want to make while I'm at my office. Right. I understand what you're saying. Let me ask you a, a kind of a related question then. Let's say there is uh, a big Elder Scrolls Legends tournament series announced, right? How much do those prizes need to be approximately for you because you're a good player, I think we all know that. For you to commit the time it takes to get ready to, to for that sort of event and get in and try to try to win some money. Oh, 
That's a fair question. Um, I don't know. I would have to actually like sit down and think about how much time I would want to spend preparing, right? Because right. for me, like again, I'm kind of in a, in a unique scenario. But um, you know, I work a couple of jobs already. Um, I have a fairly active family life, so any any time I start thinking about spending time that would break into those mm -hmm. I would have to like slap some sort of like monetary value to it so let's just say hypothetically right like if I'm yeah. going to if I say to myself you know I'm probably gonna have to spend you know 20 hours of quality prep time whether that be testing decks theory crafting talking with other players um, you know whatever right but like if there's a tournament and I say like I gotta spend 20 hours of time prepping um, yep. Then I would have to say that, you know, I could reasonably expect to place well enough to get X amount of dollars per hour for my time spent. That's not to say that I'm going to, like, you know, Babe Ruth it, call my shot, guarantee I'm going to get the money. But, like, I'd have to feel like I was going to legitimately have a shot at it, you know? Right. Um, but I haven't, I haven't actually, like, done stuff like that in a long time. When I was in my early 20s, um, I played Magic pretty competitively and pretty heavily and i was like traveling states and states away to attend grand prix um but that's because i was unmarried with no kids and you know right. had had one job at the time so um yeah i don't know that's that's fair you know when i was in my 20s i used to travel from state to state to make money on my hobby too yeah yeah <laughs> you and i you and i both uh dealt in addiction uh, and and some some gambling lifestyles. I, I will in my twenties. I spent a lot of time at casinos as well. Oh man, yeah. That, there's a reason that I don't gamble at all now because uh, I know what would happen. Yeah, I am I am a sucker for poker. Like I'll admit it. I will go and sit yeah. at a poker table for like twelve hours and yeah, yeah. I love playing Texas Hold'em. Ah. Uh... Yeah, I, I, I think, I think, I think if we were gonna say like legitimate, so I don't know what the overall prize pool would be, right? But like I would right. say, um, I would say that if I felt like I had a reasonable opportunity to personally win a thousand dollars or more, right? So I don't know if that's the yep. first place prize or if it's like the semifinals prize and up, but I guess yep. I would say like four digits because in my head. If I got a, a, to the point where I ever won like a thousand dollars from a tournament, that's money that I could put aside and then save for yeah. traveling to other events. Because <clears throat> ul ultimately, you know, everything that I've ever made from Twitch, um, and I was about to say where YouTube, but I've actually never received any money from YouTube. But uh, really, the, yeah, really, never. Um, How is that possible? I don't have uh, nearly the avid following that you do. Um, oh. And I guess my viewers all love Adblock. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> um, but seriously, like uh, every dime, every penny, uh, even more so that I've ever got from content creation has always went right back into this. Right. So, like, if I won a thousand dollars to me, that would be like, okay, then maybe I go to like QuakeCon next year so that I can. Yeah. Uh, one, see the people from Bethesda, but like I would totally record a bunch of video and turn that into like more videos, right? Or maybe I go to, uh, you know, TwitchCon or E3 or something, but all, all these yeah. things that I would like to attend and would like to provide, say, like coverage on 
but I just don't have the finances to do. So I would I would use tournament money for either that, um, or I would consider using tournament money for purchasing some upgrade equipment. Like my PC likes to blue screen a death on me. That's kind right. of an issue. Um, I like I said I'd love to stream some tabletop games one night a week. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So I would say I would say if I felt like I could win a thousand bucks, I guess okay. that's my starting spot. Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, hmm. it's an interesting question, right? Like I feel like I feel like the Bethesda and Dire, well, Direwolf in the game on the you know balance part and Bethesda honestly on the uh, marketing part and stuff have been really receptive to like what people talk about um, on the Reddit forums in particular and you know the the new demand now that Atromancer's been nerfed yeah <laughs> is for a competitive scene you know and uh, I think it's inevitable and you know, I'm just curious you know what, what it'll pay out of course but yeah I mean for me it's not even so much like the monetary reward like i said like i i would love to have it but even if it was like not a monetary reward but maybe they were like hey win a win a trip to to direwolf right like come yeah. visit the office for a day yeah. um i would <laughs> i would work really hard for that uh just yeah. because then i could come visit you Absolutely. but also <laughs> like i would love to meet the guys and like i'm a you know i'm a dev nut and so you know something like that i would also consider to be like worthy of my like all-in kind of time expenditure um, that makes sense or even if it was uh again like the if it was uh you know airfare and whatever to the conventions right in place of the monetary thing if they were instead like come hang out with us at e3 then okay fine because that's what i was going to use the money for anyway right so stuff like that it would be i think also uh well received i can agree with that that's what's up so are you <laughs> oh you you bought bits i had five somehow yeah have... i'm sorry i was taking a second to read how that works i was like what, am I, what the fuck am i supposed to do with this <laughs> <laughs> So if you're hearing this on the audio version back, Justin just uh, cheered bits in the channel, but I have the uh, audio trigger turned off for the podcast so that it, we don't get like wrecked by the loud noises. But Oh, man. Um, I literally wrote, get wrecked as my cheer. Yeah, I saw that. That's how I was like, what are you? Are you trying to sabotage this? Because it's working. I thought it would be funny. I mean, it is funny. But, um... um. Okay, so you know, one of the things that people wanted us to talk about this week was uh, the meta. Yes, it was but... it was described in various ways. <laughs> no, it was described one way over and over. <laughs> Different words, yeah. same description. Yeah. So, in, in case you guys are wondering, or you, maybe you took a break from the game, um, there's a lot of people who aren't satisfied with the current meta. That's not to say that it's in a bad place. It's not to say that there aren't uh, different decks in terms of representation. Um, it just... I don't know what it is uh, specifically, but it just feels like um, it's extra polarized this time around, right? Uh, we, yeah. We've had metas that are um, either similar or, quite frankly, like if you remember quite some time ago, we've 
we've had metas that were way less diverse than this. Um, I agree. You know, I'm thinking of control control mage being the deck. Yeah, well, I was just going to say like literally a year ago, uh, yeah. like August, September, and like parts of October of 2016, yeah. were yeah. literally you played burn and pillage archer, or you yep. played control mage. Yep. October started to shift that because October of 2016 was the birth of Histgrove. Yep. So we saw that rise in popularity, um, but it didn't really kick in until late October because um, Histgrove was uh, viewed in the early stages by many people as potentially being too slow. So it had, didn't have the quick adoption that you think it would. Yeah. Um, but, but well, people let's came be clear. Around. Not everybody. I mean, I played it day one. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not saying everybody. I just mean, like, it wasn't, like, day one hit and that's all you saw on the ladder, right? Like, yeah, it true. was... It took a bit before it really got the right. representation that right. we, w we would expect, you know, seeing the way that it gets used today. Right. Um, and it was stronger back then, too, so... Yeah, and it was stronger. Uh, His Grove has actually received a nerf since the last yeah. time. But, yeah, so... Like, it's not that the meta isn't diverse, it's just that, for whatever reason, people just really hate the decks they're losing to right now, right? Like, yeah. there is no in-between. You either really hate the aggressive decks, or you really hate Ramp Scout, or you really hate both of them because you can't play your wonky combo deck, right? Like, that that's the three pillars <laughs> of hate. Bro, I feel like you're talking to me there. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to all of us, but... Fair enough. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, I think part of it is, if I had to guess, I think part of it is that all the decks are stronger now, right? I think that the, like, I think that even though we look back at like Burn and Pillage Archer as like a really strong deck, I don't think it would hold up against the decks that now are running cards from, you know, the subsequent three expansions. Oh, I think it would. I think it would. You think so? I, I think if you, if they, re if they reverted the Burn and Pillage nerf today it would be yeah. all over you think it, so i absolutely do that i feel card, like ramp scout destroys the current version of ramp scout i feel like would destroy that deck i i don't think so one bit just because the so for me like for example if i got to put burn and pillage in um like a charge based deck right now or even just any of your your mid-range archer strategies where i've got any semblance of a board um, mm -hmm. Burn and pillage means that, like, regardless of lane, regardless of what you're doing, I'm gonna blow through the guards that you have assembled, and keep pushing. Like the old burn yeah. and pillage was so silly. I think, for me personally, I think it's just that it's. Um, I think that the meta is polarizing because the the win and loss ratios are so polarizing. And what I mean by that is, is that, um, like. Ramp Scout hard counters Control Mage, and Control Mage might win, you know, one or two out of ten games. And right. the aggressive decks, you know, specifically like tokens that can swarm and, and steamroll over Scout, um, right. they, they're winning that, you know, again, eight or nine uh, out of every ten games. And so, you know, when you queue up, from the moment you see what the opposing class is, you kind of already know how it's going to go. And so, so you're you're pissed off right from the start of the match, and then every yeah. card your opponent plays just pisses you off even more, right? So there's this like yeah. slow burn of anger, um, yeah. where I, I think that if we were in a meta more 
like you can say what you want about what I call the blue mid-range meta, right? Which was widely maligned yeah. for a bit, but at least those games were like 60-40, right? And at least those games, when you queued, you felt like, you know, okay, right. I have a chance if I play it out this way, or, you know, I know that I'm, um, you know, the defender and not the aggressor because I didn't start with the ring, so if I just stabilize, then I can turn this around. Like, going into yeah. a game, you were going in with a strategy instead of a, well, this is a loss. And so I really feel like that is the source of a lot of the anger. Yeah. I can agree with that. Um, you're right, and that's not fun. Having going back to a sixty forty, if you feel like, like you when you make a great play, you're rewarded. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's very, I very, I haven't felt like that in a while. I mean, like I will say, I mean, like I play intentionally strange decks, and like so, it happens with me more often than maybe like the guy who's, you know, got an arsenal of like three or four decks that he knows are good, and he knows what their matchups are like. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good insight and into why it feels like that. Yeah, and even to potentially expand a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. not only do you like kind of expect certain things based on your matchup, but then also because of the power level that you were referencing earlier, I do think that power level does play into it, but not not in terms of like what the other decks did, but just because now you get punished for your misplays even harder because the swings are that much more powerful in terms of tempo and play. So, yeah. you know, you don't lose a game, you know, I, I remember when the forums and in, in Reddit and, you know, YouTube comments and et cetera, would be nothing about the, like, I hate lightning bolt because I lost to a lightning bolt in the face. And I still hear those every now and then, but they're so much more rare now. Now it's like, I got steamrolled and I felt like there was nothing I could do about it, right? Like Ramp Scout got yeah. the nuts draw, you know, they right. drained vitality my whole board, played a bunch of guards and then just, you know, steamrolled me. Or that token player killed me on turn four with the ring. There was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. So like because the power levels went up and the synergy has went up, not only yeah. do your matchups feel like shit, but there are plenty of games where you just outright feel helpless because yeah. like everything went together. You know what that makes me think of, man? <clears throat> Block constructed in Magic. Yeah. That is, is that the greatest? That is legit. Is that the greatest format ever? <laughs> um, sometimes. There's been blocks that I really enjoyed, and there were some blocks that yeah. um, I felt like were nightmares. Like, I'll, I'll be legitimately honest with you. I did not like playing in Onslaught Block Constructed. Okay. Because that was... was... That the the tribal block yeah that was uh yeah. like goblins 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 right um yeah the deck that like the cards from that deck are still played sometimes in legacy yeah <laughs> or um what uh was was onslaught or was it the set before that had astral slide the astral slide set was also or block was also kind of yeah rough. that was astral slide was onslaught yeah yeah it was the cycle yeah i was gonna say i th felt like that was also onslaught because i i legit remember it was just like astral slide and goblins yeah and that was the entire block. And then Mir Mirrodin wasn't far behind. Mirrodin was Affinity and Tooth and Nail, and that was the entire block. So there were right. there are some that I, I am not a fan of, but like Ravnica block, I loved. I would have played Ravnica block all day long. Yeah. You know, I, I played a couple Ravnica block uh, uh, flashback drafts on MTGO. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think, I think I'm going to, I, I have to say, I think I believe 
you know, having spent so much time playing this game, and this is my first experience getting so in depth with the game, that uh, the smaller the card pool, within reason, but like there is there is a threshold past which I don't want the card pool expanding. You know what I mean? Because I don't want decks to have that high of a power level. I want you to have to make 15, 20 choices for your deck where there's no clear best card. You know, we're, when I was streaming, you, were, you mentioned something like you, you, you pare down a list of 67 cards that you know you need to play and then you make it down, take it down to 50 to build a deck. I feel like there's so many like auto-includes now that, uh, you know, the, the opportunity for, for expression is, is somewhat limited. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that our viewers did pitch to us as a topic, so this is a great transition, was like, yeah. what do you do for deck building? And then what, how do you make changes when, you know, things aren't performing the way you want or, or so forth? Yeah. So I personally, right, um, I tend to come up with an idea, come up with a plan, and then I will throw everything into the deck that would potentially help me include it. So I usually go either to like 60 plus, sometimes I hit the 70 cap and, uh, you know, then I have to start even thinking about other cards I would maybe include. But I always overfill, and then I uh -huh. pare, it, pare it down, right? I'll pare it down based on curve, right? Because I don't want to be too yeah. heavy in any direction. I'll pare yeah. it down based on what I call packages. So I might yeah. say, like, hey, I'm going to start by throwing in the curse package because this is an agility class. And then later on I might go, well, actually, like, the skulk curse stuff just isn't helping me with what I want to do, so I'll pull it out, and then that'll pull out several slots. But... That's how yeah. I start my deck building. Right. But uh, the reason I, I start this topic and I go on this tangent is because um, I find myself more and more often now being at 60 plus and struggling to pare down because we have that many good things. And I specifically yeah. remember it being the exact opposite right. around this time last year. Around this time last yeah. year, it was usually I'd get to where I had about like... Right. 38 41 42 cards right. and then i would be looking right. what can i put in that either isn't too much of a burden what can i put in that might right. surprise people what are my utility choices my tech choices and a lot of that stuff yeah. like just doesn't make it right. anymore like there is no utility or tech choices like it's right. the cards I, I i know exactly what you mean man like sometimes i'll end up with more than 50 cards in the deck and the cards that i'm cutting first are the cards I that, that I feel are probably the most interesting, but are the worst. And the, the <laughs> and uh, you know, there's no point. There's no point anymore when you're building a deck where you can be like, "Fuck it, I guess I'm running moment of clarity." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Or or even like like there are cards that used to be like auto includes staples that you just yeah. don't even see anymore. You know, just from straight yeah. power creep right um mm -hmm. daring cut purse used to be like an auto include agility you played it in control yep. you played it yep. in mid-range you played it in aggro because yep. there just weren't that many great uh two drops in agility basically if you right. were playing an agility class you played uh both the recruits and daring cut purse like you yeah. just threw them in and like that was part of your package and you don't yeah. even see uh cut person like prophecy decks anymore no. you barely see it in pilfer decks Right. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the werewolves. Um, you I know, think a lot of that has to do with Dark Guardian. 
I, I think that's uh, fair um, yeah. as well. And yeah. I was I was actually about to segue into that. So the, sorry, the, man, sorry. no, you're fine. Like the werewolf. <laughs> I was just going to say the guaranteed benefit of a 4-3 even if it doesn't grow is better than yeah. a 2-2 two, two that might right. grow. And the werewolf doesn't need itself to trigger where the cut purse did, right? So yeah. in many ways, unless you need something for agility like color synergy with nimble ally or something, um, right. it's just better in almost every scenario for you and so we've had that like d direct power creep right and so it pushed yeah. pushed cards out and there was mm -hmm. enough of that in skyrim and enough of that in the fall of the dark brotherhood that we've again hit this right. point now where uh the creativity is yeah is rough <laughs> yeah i agree i agree man i agree completely so, so there's got to be a solution though right like and, and let's say that let's just assume that we're getting new content in the next like month or so. I think that's a fair assumption. Mm -hmm. um, new cards added to the card pool. How do you make the game feel more diverse? Because it is relatively diverse, but how do you make it feel more diverse and more rewarding to, you know, to clever plays and stuff by adding new cards? Um, I mean, not to be our dead horse to death again and then resurrect it as a zombie and then beat it to death again but uh i mean really if you're if you're trying to make it feel more diverse you've got to have the you got to have that lightning in a bottle madhouse collection style set of cards yeah. again because those cards introduced entire new art types yeah right as as opposed to just enhancing existing ones and right now the existing ones that exist today legitimately have existed since a year ago right you know you and I have been talking about like what it was like in August and September and October last year. Uh, yeah. Back then, um, budget players played tokens, and then you yep. had Archer, and you had Control Mage, and then when October right. rolled around with Hisgrove, you had Ramp. And wh yeah. what's our what's our meta today, right? You got tokens, you have mid-range yeah. Archer, just now it runs Unstoppable Rage, there's Control right. Mage, there's Ramp Scout. Now, granted, there are some other archetypes, but... Some of those are the direct result of the additions of new cards. So yeah. orcs, I uh, see play now because of um, you know sower and because of uh, stone shard, which was introduced in Madhouse. Um, mm -hmm. You know you might see the time to fight charge based aggressive decks just because there were more and more charge creatures. I mean that's not even like an archetype yeah. emphasis. It's just we got more charge stuff, so it's easier to abuse. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, basically, you you need to introduce cards that will introduce new archetypes if you want to, like, fake the diversity, because otherwise people will take the existing decks, take whatever is better out of the new stuff, replace it in those slots, and keep playing it. I agree. You know, I, I, I agree, like, a Madhouse thing full of uh, build-around cards, synergy, you know, in, encouraging cards. Um... Let me. I think this is a relevant question. Like, I think that Archean, how you pronounce that, Venom Tongue, mm -hmm. is a reasonably powerful card. It, it sees no play. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, I play it, but <laughs> it sees no no. If you're building a good deck, you don't put it in there, okay? Um, but I'd like to see cards printed that make you would make you think this is a card I want to put in this deck. 
right? Because it's a playable enough card, uh, and, and if you could print new cards that encouraged you to play it, to look at old cards, I think you could have something pretty cool going. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that they've kind of been doing that even with the Venom Tongue. It's just that... Yeah. That So, Venom Tongue, uh, you could argue, cease play in, like, Ramp Warrior, right? Because you right. Can I mean, use, that's where I play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can use the Crossbow. You can use Unstoppable Rage. The problem isn't as much that, like, Venom Tongue's not seeing play in Warrior. It's just that, like, Warrior in general doesn't see play because Scout is better. No, right? I mean, I agree for the most part. So Warrior has one thing going for it, and that's Unstoppable Rage. <laughs> so, so Right, so... Um, so really, I think the answer to your question would be that it, you can't just introduce build around cards, but they have to be competitively viable build around okay. cards. Okay, um, I see what you're saying. You know, maybe uh, you know, maybe you know, maybe Mary... Alter is the perfect example, right? Like you and I both uh, yeah. avidly are big, big Alter fans, but like let's be yeah. honest, Alter decks just aren't like super competitive right now i'm not saying you can't win with them i'm just saying that, no I agree. you know I agree. you're not bringing that deck to a tournament if everything's on the yeah. line and you're actually talking to a guy who brought an alter deck to the last uh well championship yeah. series yeah. <laughs> I, i'm no, aware I i'm trying to not throw you like publicly under the bus but you're making Jesus, it really man. easy to it's getting really rough it's getting um, really rough so i just got my, minus one minus one <laughs> yeah i'm about to finish you off oh shit oh um <laughs> so for me they have to be viable and um or you could even introduce cards that take those like tier two and tier three decks and just make them more viable so like maybe what if you had like a creature that just said like while the creature's in play your supports can't be destroyed yeah you know something that can help you protect your altar or it needs know, to not be purple or green well <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um. Well, so like, I think that other games have historically done things like this, right? Force new archetypes with build around cards. Uh, no, we were not discussing reach around cards. That is uh, fun and interactive after hours program, by the way. Yeah. But uh, you know, the, um, I'm thinking of Hearthstone's quest cards, right? Like, if there was ever just like the most like apply directly to the forehead type kind of uh build around card it's that right like it starts in your hand every game it costs one you know like you yeah. just play it so this is i don't i don't know like how well received those cards are in Hearthstone. i've been so removed from like that game and community for so long like i'm aware of those cards yeah so like i might offend people saying this but when i heard about them yeah. um i was almost like personally offended by them from yeah. a design point of view and yeah i and, mean it is as obvious and lame as it gets <laughs> yeah because to me that was literally like the developers built your deck for you and that's also yeah. telling you that like they're steering the game right like i you know whether it's in my forge videos or whether it's on stream or whatever the case may be i will always always say that i think the most interesting cards and the most interesting design or anything that provides players with choices. I strongly and firmly believe that um, the fun in card games is knowing when and how to adapt, and I think that's show how you showcase player skill, and any time that you can do what I call uh, create a micro decision, right? Just yeah. 
those series of little decisions that over the course of a game, not like a, you know, if I do this and I it goes agree. off, it wins, otherwise I lose. But I mean like those, yeah. you know, those those micro decisions throughout a game, I think are what really make the ebb and yeah. flow of a game enjoyable, at least for me. I agree. And those quest cards are so anti like everything that I stand for. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that you can't have like, you know, signature cards that you don't build around. Like Alter is, is that, yeah, no, but agree. like Alter... Alter decks let you then have other synergies along with them as well, right? Um, yeah. This... No, Alter's great. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> those quest cards... Sorry, I don't mean to rant, but, like, those quest cards just, nah, like, piss me I off. Agree. So... And I agree with you. Um, now, I, I think uh, you could then look to the next Hearthstone attempt at this, right? Which was a little less apply directly to the forehead with a bat type thing, uh, which was um, the hero cards, the Death Knight hero cards that were printed, right? These were cards with massive game-changing effects that you could build to synergize with, but you didn't build around. They didn't force you into a certain kind of archetype necessarily. A little bit more subtle, a little bit smarter, I think. I don't get me wrong. I still think Hearthstone's stupid, <laughs> but but I uh, I think that you can. I think that the there's a lot of subtlety in uh, the, in the Legends design for for the most part. Um, I think that that the people working on the game do a good job of providing you with these sorts of options, right? Uh, I think that that is the direction that we could go with this, right? Um, I think I've been thinking about this since like we mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I think tribal lords for each of the ten, each each of the ten classes has a race that's a, its iconic race, right? Breton, Argonian, Nord, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think tribal cards, like tribal lords, would be interesting build-around cards that you couldn't shoehorn into any existing decks. That if you balanced power-wise wisely enough, you could create a whole bunch of new archetypes with. Yeah. Because then suddenly you think I might play Venom Tongue in this Scout deck because it's an Argonian, it's a powerful enough card, and then you you have a brand new experience because you're you're playing a Venom Tongue on turn three, turn four, whatever, and you're enjoying that older card. I think you could do stuff like that with all sorts of things. I think you could do tribal like you know orcs are kind of spoken for already with uh, with warriors and they've already got all tribal lords and stuff. I think you could do giants with warrior right. Give giants a tribal lord and a reason to play giants, and you and you present a whole bunch of cards like frost uh, troll or frost troll shit. I think it's frost giant. I don't know. You 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 have an opportunity to play all sorts of different cards. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. No. I I think that the biggest challenge there would just be ensuring that each tribe, if you will, feels unique, right? Yeah, I, like, I agree. It's really easy to do like the cop-out thing and be like, hey, my lord gets plus one, plus one, and does like X or whatever. But I think that it would be way more interesting if each one like had a different goal in mind or a different thing that they excelled at. Um, yeah. But I do agree. I think that, uh, you know, the, the racial and the tribal stuff could be explored further and they've kind of like laid some of the foundation for doing that they just haven't went um you know terribly deep with it yeah um, real quick somebody asked earlier and uh, i'm trying to get better at this for our audio folks as well uh somebody did ask what the quest cards were in hearthstone so the quick explanation is uh these are a card that when you include them in your deck 
they essentially always start in your opening hand and if you uh, meet a certain set of requirements aka complete the quest uh, you get a massive reward of some kind and so because you always yeah. start with it you just build your deck to accomplish the goal and then you know something happens but because you always start with it and it's specific goals like Justin and I were saying the decks essentially build themselves. You know, you're just right. playing whatever the developer wanted you to play at that point. Right. And I think that that's sort of where, um, Hey, hold on. Eurofox says like night mother. I got to disagree. with. This. I would also disagree with that. I triggered night mother today with a mono neutral deck on the ladder. <laughs> so I, for me, I think the big disagreement I would have with that is, is twofold. Um, one, <laughs> Night Mother, um, I mean, there's the clear difference that, like, in this game, none of the cards are going to start in your hand. But for me, Night Mother has different ways to use it. Yeah. So, Night, like, the goal with Night Mother is very often not always to complete the quest, if you will. There are decks yeah. you can build to trigger Night Mother and then hope it goes off and that's your win condition. Or mm -hmm. you can play Unstoppable Rage decks and just feed somebody tokens so that you can get your breakthrough damage. Or yeah. you can throw Night Mother into your, you know, Assassin Control deck so that your Werebats uh, can attack Zero Ones and drain and gain you health without breaking runes, right? Like, Night Mother yeah. has uh, plenty of uses outside of, like, the quest portion of it, and it's that... That's yeah. the kind of design that I like, right? Because you're you're creating a card that you can build around, but not everyone's going to be using it the same way or doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, which is not necessarily the way the uh, Hearthstone cards play out. So I that would be, like, the difference in my opinion. I agree. Um, I got sidetracked, and I don't remember what I was about to say before I defended Nightmother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. You and I both were all like, ah, pitchforks and yeah. torches. Right, because I think Nightmother is one of the best cards, best design cards from Fall of the Dark Brotherhood. I mean... You know, the first thing I did with Nightmother when I saw it was, is I put it in a mage deck that was almost nothing but removal. And I was like, I'm going to win with Nightmother. <laughs> oh, because it was a deck that was already running 20, 30 pieces of removal. And I was like, I can kill 20 creatures. That's easy. Oh, yeah. Venom Chunks and Tribals. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was going to say, uh, I, I think that, like, is, if you build them right, like, you can, uh, you know, some, some of the tribes are really well established as far as, like, what they do, right? In particular, Nords have a, the mechanic where they break opposing runes and then cool shit happens. But a lot of the tribes are just, like, sort of formless races that, you know, like, Bretons, they have ward synergies, but, like, I mean, it doesn't feel like the ward thing is the Breton thing, right? Um, uh, monks, or uh, monks, uh, Monk has Khajiits, which have Pilfer, but Pilfer is sort of a one-dimensional mechanic, and, like, you could do all sorts of cool tribal stuff with, with cats that make you incidentally run some of these Pilfer cards, like the 3-2 for 3 that Pilfer's plus 3 plus 0, right? That, that's not an unreasonable card in an aggressive deck. If you had a way, if you had a reason to be running Khajiit cards, that's a card you'd look at, just like Venom Tongue. I, I really think there's a lot of cool stuff like that. I think that they're actually slowly trying to transition us away from like pilfer being the core khajiit mechanic and really play up the movement stuff um, yeah i agree you know we got yeah, we got we got some uh some additional movement stuff with heroes of skyrim between like monk strike and the 2-2 that gets bigger 
And I yeah. think that that's a legitimate, like, good place to take it. I think there's a lot that could be yeah, done with that. Even Grand Ball. Yeah, Grand Ball. Mm-hmm. Which is the coolest mechanic, the coolest, the coolest uh, animation in the game. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I don't know if that's the coolest. I'm maybe I'm biased. I'm really fond of Shield Breaker. The first time I played Shield Breaker, I thought like yeah. I had done something amazing, and I was like, oh no, yeah. I just played this common card. <laughs> yeah, but see, unfortunately, when people play Shield Breaker against me, I'm no longer having fun. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're not watching the mechanic because you've blacked out with rage, but exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that it would be kind of cool to see, um, you know, movement cards played up. So right now, movement is always meant to kind of be like, I evade your guards or like, I move my guy and it gets bigger. Um, and we got like some additional utility out of Archer's Gambit, but I would personally, like, if I had a wish list, I would like to see a series of movement cards, maybe you even like ability word it. And I want them to do all sorts of things when they move, right? Like, uh, when this moves, shackle an enemy creature. When this moves, you know, silence something. Like, mm -hmm. I just want, like, give, like give me, like, cards that have a toolbox. Um, yeah. And then maybe, um, like, I know that there's the one with guard, right? But then maybe if you're really yeah. trying to combo it with the pilfer thing, maybe it's also, like, you know, when this pilfers, uh, move a friendly creature that's in the same lane or move a creature yeah. from the opposing or the other lane into this lane, like it calls them over, like Red Rover Khajiit or something, you know? Um, <laughs> I so, like it. So, like, I, I would like to see um, all sorts of fun yeah. stuff played up, I think, with the movement mechanic in general. You know, the, the two moving cats are interesting cards. Um the two drop and the three drop, the one with the prophecy and the one that gives plus one plus one when something moves. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a time when nobody played those cards, and then they got huge for a while, and now nobody plays them again. Well, to be fair, they got huge, but then they got nerfed. So yeah, that's true. If you guys, that's true. if you guys uh, are relatively new to the game, there was a time when both uh, both of our Khajiits from the Dunes. Uh, mm -hmm. They did not. They did not move a creature like that was in their lane. Like you could play yeah. it in anywhere and then move any any friendly creature. So they were eventually nerfed. Even when people were under pretty like solid general consensus that they weren't like overly strong as is, um, mm -hmm. they were nerfed because the the developers essentially said they created an uninteractive. Uh, style of play which i i fully understand now like looking yeah. back it didn't make sense but uh, you used to be able to like play a creature right then your opponent mm -hmm. plays one to respond in that lane right uh then you mm -hmm. attack with that creature um like maybe it pilfers or something and it gets bigger so your opponent plays a second creature in that lane like maybe it's a guard or something to block you and then you'd play one of the Dune guys in the other lane and pull that creature to you. And so now they've committed all of their resources to one lane and you just abandoned it. You don't even like exactly. leave the cat left behind as like, right. you know, trade bait or loss. Like you just flat out set up an army in the other lane again. Uh -huh. um, it was it was really strong back then. I think it just didn't feel as strong as it could be because everything was strong. Yeah. <laughs> but... Back. Everything green was strong. Yeah. Um, 
to get back to the question, like, what do we want from the meta? And like, I, I know one of the tweets was talking about like new content question or something like that. Like, what? Yeah, I want to see slightly larger than Madhouse. I want to see twenty cards. I want to see two cards for each class. I want to see tribal cards. I want to see one like obvious tribal lord, and then one spell that really synergizes with that tribe. That's what I want to see. So you want like the madhouse, but tribal, like. Yep. All right, I I could see that, and I would be a hundred percent behind that. Um, Elder Scrolls Race Wars. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I said that in my head, and I went, "Nope, I'm not going to go there this time. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say the words Race Wars." I learned my Two lesson. weeks in a row, man. Two weeks in a row. We should get sponsored by Breitbart. Yeah. Right. Oh. Or we could get the the Russians to pay for our advertising. Um, yeah. No. If not tribal, um, I wouldn't mind seeing something that was. Uh, like 10 class cards and 10 neutral cards as well. And then yeah. the neutral cards, like each class uh, card was something that was playing at maybe a new archetype or a new strategy. And then all the neutral cards were stuff that um, either yeah. enhanced old strategies or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like just, I agree with you. Yeah. Some, uh, some, uh, some neutrals are great. Some build around neutrals. I need altar of Despairier. <laughs> altar of derriere sacrifice the booty we all float down there <laughs> oh that's dairy shit yeah that's <laughs> you went straight for the ass i went to the movie it i mean yeah well i mean i, mean, I know uh i know that the ass is a sensitive subject for ex-cons so i uh I kept it safe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to see more cards like Alter. It's interesting because I keep saying, like, you know, I want to see something like that, but you know, neither of us have like (laughs) proposed an actual solution, right? So, right. um, That's a good good point. I'm throwing you on the spot here, but like, if you had a neutral build around card, right? So far, I would say that, like, of the neutral builder on cards that exist, there's, like, maybe three. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say uh, Alter, I would say, like, Journey to Sovngarde, and then, like, maybe mm-hmm. Dragon Mound, even though that yeah. one's more, like, crapshoot build around. But, like, what in in that vein, you know, I guess Nightmother might fit as well, but, like, what in that vein would you like to see that would potentially spawn a new art type? Uh, a cheap action, like, like brotherhood sanctuary and action sorry cheap support card like brotherhood sanctuary cheap like one or two cost um when that has uh zero charges on it okay uh and it has an activated ability i don't know what it is but it starts with zero charges uh you play an action you put a charge on it and you can activate it once so it encourages you to build act play actions i mean action assassin action mage those decks are way out of favor Although I saw some of it in the popper gauntlet. Um, it's something that every color can do. And every color does it in a way that's specific to that color. So you're going to be able to spawn new archetypes, potentially if the effect is powerful enough, in every different class that is flavorful for that class. 
that's interesting. So I know that mine is going to be like kind of a cheeky cheating crossover. And I'll be honest, I don't even know if this ends up being powerful enough. But mm -hmm. I was going to say um, like a neutral support. And when you play yeah. it, you target a friendly creature. And it says that uh, creatures that share a race with the uh, the the mm -hmm. thing, right? So like the support basically just picks whatever, maybe pick Breton, right? So your port basically mm -hmm. your uh, thing says Breton's can now count as Dwemer. Oh, cool! I like that. So that you're taking like, taking the long yeah. lost Dwemer decks that everybody kind of wants to play anyway. But you're saying, yep. okay, now you've got a reason to include colors mm -hmm. and potentially other... Dwarven Foundry. I like it. Yeah. I like that a lot. Because there's you know, you... immediately stuff that I want to do with that. Just thinking off the top of my head, right? Like, I want the Argonian Dwemer deck because I want a ramp. Or I want the Breton Dwemer right. deck because I want the, the wards. Or I want... You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Huh. You know, a, a way you could, I mean, we might, maybe we were overthinking it with, or maybe I was overthinking it by suggesting, oh, I want 10 lords and then 10 tribal specific cards. Uh, you, you could effectively do the same thing with like a handful of neutral cards, right? That trigger the first time you play a creature. Like that's the race that it triggers on from then on. You know what I mean? It would give people the opportunity to play that Forsworn deck they always wanted to play or that Crocodile deck they always wanted to play too. Yeah, so uh, Erratic in chat says, you can choose your race, 2017 card games. Yeah, actually, that's kind of even further it, right? Like, you can always build your own character in Elder Scrolls games. Why can't I do it when I'm playing the card game? Um, I agree. I think, and I would like, in my head, right, like, this card would carry over to some of your other abilities. So, like, I know that there's the yeah. one... Uh, the one robot, for, for the record, people are making fun of me for how I pronounce it, so I'm going to say robot from now on. Uh, there's the nice. one robot that has the last gasp and add two more robots to your hand. And mm -hmm. in my head, right, if you have that support on the board um, and you've chosen Khajiit, then you could potentially get Khajiit from his last gasp now. Yeah. Right? I, like like, I think that that would really open up a lot of interesting stuff. But just, again, something like that. I, I was mostly kind of picking that off the top of my head because that played into both your tribal desire. Mm -hmm and my neutral build-your-own-desire, but... I like it a lot. That's a cool idea. Whamasu deck. Yeah, I agree. We, I mean, because right now we just got the Shockadile and we got uh, Encano. <laughs> yeah. It was the, the real Whamasu. I don't... I don't know... Like, I have nothing against... Whamasu. I just want to make sure that Sue's consenting to all of this whamming. No. Well, I mean, just like we mentioned earlier, it is 2017. If they say no, there's no whamma. <laughs> you can't just whamasu, guys. No, you can't. You have to ask beforehand. You, you have to wake <laughs> her up before you go-go. <laughs> to, to go full circle on the wham references. <laughs> I mean, I was a much bigger fan of the solo career stuff, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Put your tiny hands in mine. I will be your creature. <laughs> I feel like we're dating ourselves, and I don't mean like in a pleasureful 
sort of way, but bro, I have, I have, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but I have that album where the dude, where Michael or George Michael is uh, showing his uh, jeaned up ass <laughs> on the cover. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, I um... hold on. Let me look this up. <laughs> George Michael. It's the one with Careless Whisper and Faith and all that stuff on it. Come no, on. I, I I know. I just don't remember the cover because it didn't impact my life the same way that it did yours. Well, I had it. I, I had it at the album. Like it was huge. It was like this big. Like of course I knew what it looked like. Yeah, I was too poor to have albums. Yeah, fair enough. Before we went on the air, we were talking about how much we love Weird Al. We both had Weird Al tapes. No, I said that I listened to it. I always had to borrow mine from my Hindu buddy. So I went to middle school with a friend. Um, yeah. His, he was like whiter than me and his parents were white, but they were converted to Hinduism. His full name was Trevelyan Nichananda Tabor. Um, and yeah. he let me listen to his Weird Al stuff. Um, and he had an abundance of it because his parents would take him to the concerts and that was the only access I had. So I loved Weird Al, but I did not did not listen to his tapes unless I was at somebody else's house. Oh. I have an important uh, image that I just searched that you guys can all look at because I'm allowed to post links. <laughs> there we go. Alright, I'm going to click on this and get a virus. No, hey, look! Virus. It's George Michael. It's George Michael. I, George Michael. Do you, want, do you want to know what I I, I love about this? Uh, legitimately, I clicked on your link and it opened up an image, but yeah. the the <laughs> the title of this literally uh, for whatever website this is, this newnownext.com yeah. says George Michael made me gay. <laughs> oh shit! Oh. Yeah, well, he's an influential man. Ahead of his time. <laughs> oh, yeah. What about... Tallulah raises an interesting point, which is, what about Garth Brooks' ass? I prefer Chris Gaines. <clears throat> I don't know who Chris Gaines is. Alright, fun fact, and I don't know why I know this, but Garth Brooks yeah. sang under an alias called Chris Gaines for a short period oh, as he tried to explore a pop career, and he even had, oh, wow. like, this chin goatee. Really? Oh, like... <laughs> he'd like the, the one, like... Just this part? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so if you ever want a good laugh, you just find yourself some, some Chris Gaines. Okay, I'll check it out. I mean, I gotta be honest with you, man. I'm not gonna listen to Chris Gaines. <laughs> I, don't, I'm not I don't expect you to. It's like, yeah. like when I say to you, hey, it's Halloween, uh, you know, roughly, right? Like, it's October, it's that time of year, so if you want a... Yeah. A scary movie. I highly re recommend watching Crossroads, starring Britney Spears. I say this oh, because it's yeah. like the joke, but I don't right. expect you to actually watch Crossroads with Britney Spears, even if it does have Zoe Saldana in it. I still don't want you to sit <laughs> through it because that's the kind of friend I am. Bro, you know what, man? So, I when I graduated high school, I went to college for a year. I went to K State, studied philosophy because, like. I could attend philosophy classes with enough attention that uh, I could maintain my heroin use at the time. Sure. 
Um, so I, I was dating this girl and she loved all that like bubblegum pop stuff. And I saw that Crossroads movie probably two or three times. It was, you know, like whenever we needed to take a break from watching every episode of Sex in the City, we watched stuff like that. Yeah, my my wife in her younger years was yeah. very, very much a Britney Spears fan. And so I have also yeah. endured yeah. the psychological torture that is Crossroads uh, on more than one That's occasion. Rough. That's rough. Yeah. We're coming up on 10 years soon of marriage. Congratulations. Of marriage. It'll be se- 17 years in December of being together. Really? Yeah. Like, we've officially wow. been together longer than we haven't been together. No, that's cool. You know, when the uh, anniversary of September 11th came around this year, I realized, like, I was twice the age. I'm twice the age I was when it happened. That was an yeah. interesting realization. Yeah. Like more than half of my life has been well, half my life has been since a little less actually, a little less than half. No, I did the math correctly, but <laughs> like either way. Yeah, in my head I was like, oh, so you're like forty something? I didn't know that. Yeah, hold on, let me figure this out a second. How long ago was this? <laughs> Shit, I was so traumatized that I forgot how old I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's fair. Uh, there yeah. needs to be a card that transforms your discard pile into random dragons. Writes Jay Merritt. I'd be okay with that card existing. I mean, you're just gonna do it, play broken, do broken things with a uh, good old twenty cost dragon friend. I would like it if it did that, or if it made every card in your graveyard become flesh H or not. Like you're just sculpting from the the corpses of the dead, and every time you're making it into a flesh H or not. I like it. Skeletal mound, <laughs> extinction event. Erratic is uh, surprised that my marriage made it past the seven year mark. Yeah, it uh, it did. Uh, our our actual tenth anniversary is legit on uh, Friday the thirteenth. Nice. So that's awesome, man! Congratulations. Are you going going out next Friday then? Oh, God's no, because then we have my uh, my mother's memorial service the the following okay. day. So, hooray! Ten years. Oh, mom died. I understand, man. So either way, you should be really proud of yourself, and I'm sure you are. But that's a cool accomplishment. I'm significantly proud of her. I don't know how anyone can put up with me for that long. I promise yeah. you that I am ten times more obnoxious than I am ever in any capacity on Twitch or YouTube or anywhere else. Yeah. Fair enough. What do you think? What do you say? I mean, like, let me run this past you. What do you say? We, we just open it up for some questions. Just see what everybody's got on their mind today. I think that's a fantastic idea. All right. All right, viewers, shoot your, uh, shoot your questions our way. <laughs> Question number one, Dave Modi. Whoa, your mom died? Wow. He also, got dark al- also followed it up with, my mom just got hit by a car on Tuesday and has multiple pelvic and arm fractures. First of all, uh, I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's a bummer, um, Dave. That, that is a bummer. Auto accidents are never fun, and I hope that she has a uh, speedy recovery. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, my, my mom did pass away uh, recently. That's the majority of why my content has been so sparse over the last, like, two and a half to three weeks. Um, yeah. Just because I... Uh, she was... She was uh, battling illness prior to passing and so i was spending lots of time like 
at the hospital and whatever and then obviously i've been doing other family related things since so uh yeah but hopefully things will be back to normal here soon i got a lot of stuff i want to make i just got to find the time to do it so um peter's 89 asks what do you think about the amount of crusader card draw i think it's too much but I don't think that any card needs to be nerfed necessarily. I think that you solve this problem by printing a red card, the color I like to see setting rules, and you make it a little overstated, uh, like a lot of red creatures can be, like a 5-5 five, five for 4, and it says each player can only draw one card each turn. Yeah, I, I, I would be open to something like that. I would also be open to uh, something that was maybe either a support or maybe it's a creature that just says, um, you know, when uh, when you're either when your opponent uh, draws a card, or even if it's just when your opponent draws a card um, on their turn, maybe. So it's not even counting like rune breaks, but just if they're being aggressive or something along those lines, um, that. Uh, either creatures take damage or you shackle a random creature on their side of the board something that triggers defensively right like they have to trade tempo for gas if you will like yeah you can refill your hand um, but when you do that you're like taking a turn off to allow those decks to to properly respond right like i think that would i don't know how you would work it out like i would have to try different things and test it but something in that vein i think would be mm -hmm. fine i like that Nickname Nick Aim Nick Aim asks, "Do you guys like buffing or nerfing decks to make balances more?" Uh, what do you think, man? I I mean I think that it's a combination. I think that I a agree. lot of times that you know, people don't like nerfs because it's like a feels bad moment. But many times the nerfs occur because of something that is just outright simply overstated or maybe there's an interaction or a synergy that was just not predicted during the testing or QA. Uh, as good as the developers are, you know, when you have a large card pool, it's hard to predict what a significantly larger than you player base is going to do with said cards and they will find things that you might not have thought of. So nerfs are oftentimes like the right way to go, but I also do like buffs. Um, I enjoy buffs that uh, make underplayed cards more playable, like the Reeve buff and the Brynjolf buff, but I would also even be welcome to uh, buffs that promoted new archetypes, right? So the Doggy Rot Mystic didn't result in like more support decks being played at the time, but I liked that buff when they did it. I thought, I thought yeah. it was like in the right vein. I agree. Um... What do you think about making Resolute Ally and East March Crusader forecast? That's Tallulah Soy. Um, East March Crusader, I think, becomes replaced in every single deck that can run it by Thieves Guild Pickpocket if it costs four. Uh, Shadowfoot, you mean? Shadowfoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Because you care more about the card draw than you do the actual body there. The the four two. Like, whenever I, I play it, I, I basically am saying, like, I'm just drawing a card and making them use Firebolt, right? But, yeah. like, that's just enough. But if that starts costing four, then it gets gutted. Um, Resolute Ally, I think, is also... Like, my biggest problem with that is that all of the allies cost three. And it would feel yeah. weird to have just one that costs four. 
And while it can have a big impact, I don't necessarily think that it's... I don't necessarily think that it's, like, bad. It's certainly one of the better allies, but... I don't know, Cunning Ally... It's, cunning Ally hasn't shined in a long time, but Cunning Ally is still really strong when you can abuse it as well. Yeah. Cunning Ally is the kind of card that, like... Its power level ebbs and flows based on how many creatures you can kill with a firebolt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it could be great again, you know, after an expansion. Uh, Erratic Saw writes, Will running pro tournaments save T-E-S-L? I don't think Elder Scrolls Legends needs saving. I think it's doing well. I think that the fact that they're continuing to invest money in new promotions, new ideas, and they're remaining so in contact with us shows that, that uh, the game's doing well. Yeah. Um, also, for the record, I just realized uh, that Erratic, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be Erratic Seesaw, as in... Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> just, I, I like the username, so I wanted to point that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would uh, agree. I don't think that uh, running pro tournaments is going to save it because, uh, you know, I kind of touched on it a little bit, I think, last week, or at least I know I've said it on stream. Um, I don't think that the majority of your Elder Scrolls Legends audience is like your traditional card game players. I mean, there's going to be yeah. some of the crowd that's coming over from Hearthstone, but most of the people that I would consider hardcore competitive Hearthstone players are entrenched in that, so they're less likely to come over. I'm not saying you don't have some, but the big majority of them are probably still there or still playing Magic uh, yeah. competitively. And uh, I think that really it just comes down to um, the reason that there is such a loud and vocal support for tournaments um, is one, there there are people like myself that, um, you know, if you want to, like, gauge if you're getting better at a game, right? Like, you just, you want to play good players and you want to kind of, like, try your hardest. And so, like, there is a competitive spirit that's missing. Um, I don't necessarily think it needs to be, like, a pro scene, but even if it was just, like, some sort of supported tournament structure, it would at least let me know, like, this, this is where I'm, like, going to be matched up against, you know people of my skill level because the ladder the ladder is an interesting thing not only is it like a best of one without like a real true tournament meta and you know again we kind of talked about this in the past but also like i can be the best player in the game and never play against other top players and then just sit on top of the ladder right like i can be rank one legend but because on time of day when i play or just randomness from matchmaking you know i could get matched up against you know 500 legends, uh, you know, rank one players, you name it, for like eight hours straight, right? Yeah. So, hey, have, have we ever matched up against each other on the ladder? Uh, I think once or twice, uh, very early in the game. I want to say like yeah. like last year, but not often because I don't think you and I play at the same time because I play so late. That's true. That's true. Um, it's just like CVH and I, when he had a different streaming schedule, him and I used to run in, into each other all of the time, and now we barely right. see each other. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like there are people who are vocal because they want that competitive experience. I think there are people who are kind of vocal in general as well, because right now, um, when it, when it comes to rewards, when it comes to incentivizing, you know, quote unquote high level play, like there is none, I don't even get a title for hitting a legend, right? Yeah. Like I get, um, a couple more soul gems and gold at the end of the month based on my, my finish for legend. Mm. Um, I might get my name on a list if I finish top 100, but like that's it. So um, I think that just 
like rewards and incentivizing would also go a long way. But I don't think that any of those things are saving legends. Um, yeah. I think that that's just, you know, the the people who are competitive are also typically the people who log the most hours. So they also I, feel yeah. like frustrated by its absence. Like I agree 100% with that statement right there. Yeah, I would I would say that uh, the average person who is, you know, saying, hey, I really want a tournament scene is probably like dwarfing in terms of hours spent the average person who's like, I don't really care one way or the other, right? Like yeah. 10 to 1 easy hours spent. Um, mm -hmm. And when you play for that long, things get extra stale, extra fast, and you're looking for like that next challenge, so. That's true. Yeah. You know, I, I had to take a, couple, a few weeks off from the game because uh, I was uh, doing some stuff with work. I was just real busy. And um, today was the first day I played in a while. I had, I had an absolute blast. Absolute blast. Because I came back, you know, fresh eyes. Yeah. Um. So, so The next one up was... Uh, what's the general direction Elder Scrolls is migrating towards on the development side of things, whether that means like aggro controller, etc. And that's Jay Merritt asking. Okay. Uh, that's a good question. You know, I, I think in an ideal world, it ebbs and flows, right? Like towards more control, towards slower games, towards maybe faster games. And then, you know, you, you, you push back and, and you know, you, you, the, the meta reacts as players react. And it goes back and forth. I, I don't feel like there's a, an intentional design uh, aim on the part of Direwolf and Bethesda to push one strategy over another. Um, I think that if it gets if things get in the meta were to ever get so bad that they needed to intentionally course correct like that, like we would be having a much like much less enthusiastic discussion about how much we love this game. <laughs> yeah, I I would. I would say that there was a brief time period where that almost happened. Um, if you remember when... I'm trying to think of all the cards that were nerfed in that round, but if you remember when uh, Slaughterfish Spawning was nerfed... Yeah, when they destroyed the actions decks. Yeah, there that was the fastest and most aggressive I ever remember the meta being. The meta was yeah. basically action assassin decks that were blazingly fast yeah. and prophecy battle mage decks that were faster than any incarnation of the current ones even with mystic dragon like the old ones were faster um and they because did it gladiators arena. well <laughs> arena but slaughterfish spawning like was actually really yeah. strong at three and there, right. there was a whole bunch of like aggressive cards that kind of got nerfed to the ground yeah i agree um but that was like the closest yeah i think they do a good job of trying to keep everything relevant yeah. Um, uh, next up, we had uh, what would be a Legends card that feels like an MTG instant? Uh, you could have support. I mean, like, you could have support cards that trigger when your opponent does things. I think that's as close as you're going to get. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the cheat answer is anything with prophecy. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Lightning Bolt's a pretty great example of that. Um, or, so the other thing that I could think of would be um, like creatures or supports that, yeah, exactly like what you were saying, right? Just have a passive trigger on like when your opponent plays something, when your opponent attacks something, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I'm sure it's possible to program a card that 
you know, if this card is in your hand and your opponent does blah, this happens. But I think that having that level of hidden information uh, being that potentially relevant to a game is not the sort of game Elder Scrolls Legends is or should be. Yeah. So, and also, I think cards like that would necessitate discard effects, targeted discard effects, and I also don't want to see those in Legends. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think, I think that some people would like to see it, and I think that there, there could definitely be a strong competitive argument made for the effect. But if you've ever played against like true discard strategies in magic or in other games they're just not very fun to play against because that is truly um and i've said this too about like the idea of land destruction or its equivalent in this game you don't want to encourage a play style where your opponent is literally doing nothing right like when your opponent is just you know draw go draw go and I'm not talking on, like, turn 13 after Control Mage just slowly whittled your resources down, but I'm talking on, like, turns 3 and 4 and you know you're locked out for the rest of the game. Like, that is yeah, a feels-bad moment. I totally agree. Um, uh, Nikami. I say that because he's got, like, the four ends. I know. I want to uh, do that, too. <laughs> um, thoughts on more transform cards like Waba Jack and Pasty Dude. Pastry. Pasty dude needs to find a more legitimate way to make money. <laughs> uh, Wabajack, I never want a card like Wabajack to be competitive. And I think that was a problem with Bringer of Nightmares. I don't like that level of RNG winning games. Wabajack is a f perfectly balanced card, I think, for what it does, because it's not good enough. But I'm glad it exists because it's fun, and I like playing with it sometimes in the right situation. But a Wabajack-type card should never be good enough to be on the ladder. The Pastry Chef guy is great. Genius design. Excellent card. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I uh, would like to see more transform effects as long as they are um, either, you know, guaranteed transforms like Sweet Rolls or like Mummify, or even if they were you know, within a certain reason, right? Like if it's maybe like one of three outcomes, but all three of them are reasonable, you know, it's not like a one, one versus a 12, 12 or something like then, yeah. then that level is fine. But I, I would just in general, like to see more transform effects. Um, I agree. It's one of those things that digital card games have a lot more ability to do. And I think things that your medium does best or uniquely are the things that it should be focused on. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that just before we went live, even today, right? Like I, I was talking. I didn't, know, I didn't know if you wanted to bring this up. I, I didn't know if you were saving it for another well, discussion. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm gonna cover because I don't think that that one's gonna go like full hard. But like, I was talking about a potential future video for the Forge, and yeah. one of the things that I had mentioned was how cool it would be if you had um, a card that would transform back and forth between two different states, depending on how the game flows. Right. So like it would be one version, uh, when you play it. And then, uh, if somebody breaks one of your rooms, it transforms. Uh, then if you break one of their runes, it transforms back, or maybe it's when you play actions and each time it flips or whatever the case may be. I just think transform effects, just like Justin said, 
are, are like a great hallmark of digital card games because they can do it the best and I'd like to see it explored more. I agree. Yeah, I, I think that there's a whole lot of cool room for transforming stuff. I mean, you could even... I don't know. I mean, like... Dragon Mound is just like the tip of the iceberg as far as like things that can tra do things to your deck, right? Like, I, I, I'm imagining cards that like a support card that has like let's I'm getting on a little bit of a tangent here, but like one of the things you can do in a digital card game is, you know, earlier I was talking about a support card that says, "Hey, play an action, something happens." Well, let's say you got a support card that says, "Play ten actions," and then and, you know when after you play your ten actions, transform every card into your deck into, I don't know. Angry Hist guy. <laughs> An Angry Hist guy is like the objective, right? Uh, you get to play these actions, and every deck that you play it in is going to feel different because every color's actions do different things. So you, you get the uniqueness of your class there, which I think is pretty key to the game. And then uh, you can change every remaining card in your deck to something else. I think it's really cool the things you can do with a card game like this. I mean, imagine like... A creature like I mean, you could have a, a a four 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 intelligence creature. Last gasp, the top card of your deck becomes lightning bolt. Like that card offers all sorts of very interesting things that you can do, right? Like you can kill it yourself on your turn, so that you know that your opponent's next attack at you that breaks a rune is going to trigger a lightning bolt. There's all sorts of cool shit you can do with transform cards. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see stuff like that where uh, maybe that's like. Thieves Guild Shadowfoot 2.0 as well, right? Like, transform the, yeah. the top card of my opponent's deck into yeah. something. Right? Yeah. Like, how cool like would it. it be if you had, like, a 3-cost 1-3 guard, right? But its last gasp is the top card of your opponent's deck is transformed into a sweet roll. Like, I it's like an it. understated guard, and so it's, yep. like, in the vein of Varanus Courier, but instead of you drawing a card, you're just denying your opponent the card. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think that I think that is as close to, like, discard as you should get in this game. Yeah, I would agree. But I think that that's... that's kind of, to me, that's the kind of cool card, because that also has ap applications in, like, any matchup. Like, you're either potentially yeah. slowing down the gas of an aggressive deck, or in a control deck, maybe you get lucky and, you know, you just got rid of their Mirac or something because now it's a sweet roll. Like, Mirac is exactly the card I was thinking yeah. of. <laughs> well, of course, because that's the one that you want right. to not have happen in a control matchup. So Right, I agree. Oh, I like it. Um, where are we at here? Uh, we are on Kaniac asking you specifically, and uh, oh. it's a little bit of a rehash, but how do we get more of the cards involved in the game? I.e. you see the same cards played mostly over and over, but a lot of the cards look like they'd be really uh, good cards if ever used. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, we touched on this a little bit. Like the, I think the most obvious an uh, answer is that, you know, you make a bunch of cards that are concerned about the tribal effects. But I think that with, like, with the right cards and the right rewards for doing so, you could do this with a lot of things, right? Um, when we were talking about Venom Tongue earlier, I keep bringing up this card. Unstoppable Rage and Quicksilver Crossbow are good examples of cards that push that card into playability. You know what I mean? I think that you could do that with a lot of cards with some really, you know, clever design, right? Um, for example, like Quinral Burglar is uh, in some ways an incredibly powerful card. Uh, 
again, Quicksilver Crossbow is a card that, even though they don't see play together at all or very often, uh, potentially makes Quinrall Burglar that much more exciting. Because you can ping the face, trigger Pilfer, suddenly you have a 9-9 now because you have a 4-4, four, four, plus 1, plus 1, plus 4, plus 4. And uh, that's a lot of power. That's a lot of life gain. Um, y you need to look at each individual card, of course, to see like where you could make it work, right? Um, but <clears throat> I think that there are scenarios where everything could work, right? Like even like Studium Headmaster, which I think is one of the worst cards in the game, <laughs> could be good if the right cards were printed to support it. Um, anything that triggers when your opponent draws cards makes Studium Headmaster theoretically a better card and more likely to see play. Yeah. I could see something like that. I mean, people have been asking for a while whether or not Mill would ever be like a real strategy in Legends. Yeah. Um, if you're not familiar, uh, Mill is a card game term uh, that originates from Magic the Gathering. There's a card called Millstone, and it's the idea where uh, you win the game by making your opponent run out of a deck, right? Whether it's making yeah. them draw too much, making them put cards from you know their deck into their graveyard, whatever the case may be. Um, but you just win by making them run out of deck. Now, Headmaster would be probably like an auto-include if that ever becomes a strategy, right? But it's not right now because of the size of decks and the inconsistency, yeah. so... Um... You could, I think, encourage a lot of different kinds of decks if you printed like a Howling Mine effect. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it would be broken or not. I'm, I'm not one necessarily to speak a whole lot about balance for new cards. But a neutral two-cost support card at the beginning of each player's turn, that player draws an extra card. I think you could do all sorts of crazy things with that. I think it would end up initially just going into tokens decks. <laughs> sure. But, I mean, that is a way that you could double the speed, the pace of the game, and encourage mill. Make, you know, that might make Studium Headmaster potentially playable. It's so funny that you say you think it would go into like tokens decks because I immediately went, I'm playing Control Spell Sword now because that's their only weakness, right? Yeah, actually, Spell Sword was the class I was thinking of, but I just, I just went with a deck that could empty its hand every turn. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we could do to support Mill. I just don't know. It's not super fun. I mean, some people like really enjoy it. It's just, yeah. it's. I, I feel like in a again in a game like Legends, where at its core it's a game about creature combat. You know, yeah. I, I was talking about this last week, right? Because some people were uh, asking me, um, "What do you think about like creatureless decks?" And like we do the creatureless challenge for fun sometimes. Absolutely. But yeah. like in terms of like a supported archetype with enough viability. <laughs> I just don't no. see it ever happening because, like, when when you when you define legends to somebody who's never played the game before, right? In, yeah. Inevitably, somewhere in your first like three to five sentences, you're gonna say the words "it has two lanes." Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like a hallmark yeah. of the game. So yeah. I don't ever see them heavily supporting anything that doesn't take advantage of creatures being on the board and like lanes. So, like, a true, like, action-based creatureless deck, I don't expect it. Um, I also don't think that you're going to see much, like... Even if it was, like, you put creatures on the board, but the creatures, like, mill instead of doing damage to your opponent, right? Like, I've thought about that. If you were ever going to support mill, maybe that's the way you make it creature-based. 
Um, I still just ultimately feel like, at its core, they want it to be, like, a creature-based game, which is why, um, like, that's where it's going to be. Like, even when you look at, um, cards like Yarl, right? Like, Yarl's the alternate win condition, but it's based on flooding the board with creatures. And I think that's yeah. the closest you'll ever get to that's alternate true. win conditions, because... Um, again, they, I don't think that they want you to, to bypass the other key mechanic that you would mention in the first, you know, three to five sentences, which would be runes, right? Right. So, like, I don't see where, I don't think we're going to see many more, as cool as it might be, um, yeah. things that are just like, if you do X, you outright win the game. We might see one or two here or there over time, but I don't, I don't expect to see a lot of them because you don't want things that bypass runes and you don't want things that don't care about lanes. Like, that's that's the crux of the game. So, I agree. You know, the, I think the the most interesting and unique idea that like has come up in these uh, discussions over the weeks about new ideas for cards that's come up for me is the the fire rune suggestion, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I I've I've not been able to stop thinking about that. Like the suggestion was made a while back that uh, cards be printed that printed. <laughs> I'm so old. Right. No, I, the cards be the cards be created that say something like, "Transform your runes into fire runes," right? Which and a fire rune is like, let me just make shit up here. When that rune gets broken, it's not like what usually happens where you draw a card and if it does prophecy, you play it for free. Instead, something else happens. Like for instance, you deal four damage to a creature or something. I don't know, just making stuff up. But the idea of replacing runes with other things is just really not something an idea I've been able to get rid of. No, I mean, I think that's 100% something uh, that needs to be explored. You know, again, without without ruining too much of my future videos, um, you know, you and I were talking <laughs> before before we went live that just right. in general, I'm a big fan of anything that's using runes as yeah, a resource exactly. and a mechanic. So the idea of making your runes do other things, um, I like the idea of turning them into to like creature-specific traps, meaning that yeah. like it does something to whatever creature uh, or player broke the rune. So like maybe it's whatever whatever broke the rune takes yeah. four damage. So if it was a yeah. creature attacked in, that creature takes four damage. If a player did right. it with an action, then the player takes four damage. But I, um, I like that idea because one, it allows you to like be defensive and use runes in that manner. But also um, it gives the opponent the ability to properly like play around it right? right like there's that interaction and, and decision making and skill involved so but exactly. just it creates tension and counterplay and i like that yeah but in general i would love to see more stuff done with uh runes as a resource um you know a lot of people have mentioned it but i would also love to see something that restores runes i know it has to be very expensive and balanced um even yeah. even if it's like a unique legendary i would love to see something that's like a creature that you know, maybe it has summon or something, but when it comes into play, it's you gain five life and restore one rune. But maybe it's like a unique legend or something. But um, mm. just runes as a resource in general, I think there's a lot of room. I agree. Zombie Hunter 9 by 19 writes Frost runes permanently shackles the creature that broke the rune and it is now indestructible. I love it. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff that you could do with changing it and keeping it even, thematic I, I can see a new chaos arena effect where uh you you wabajack the creature that breaks a rune <laughs> sure I'd, I'd play that <laughs> i i would like to see 
each attribute get its own like rune replacement cards right yeah and maybe it's um it's just like your next rune is a fire rune or something and then i would like to see like some sort of either neutral legendary support or neutral legendary creature that has like a comes into play effect of all of your runes become a uh a random replacement rune right okay and then maybe based on your attribute like let's just say one of you played fire rune and that's the intelligence one right the way that uh in the user interface that that would be reflected let's say would be that that rune now is like glowing blue to signify that one's been replaced so then like for the term you know that you play your neutral legendary that replaces all your runes with a random one that's how you would know which one was which because of the glow right so like the information would still be present to both players there would still be counterplay and whatever but i would love to see something like that right i agree that would be cool and i think that you know the attribute ones like they they auto fill themselves out right the intelligence one does damage um the endurance one will say um is maybe the shackle one because it's all about stalling uh the green one curses like creatures that hit it you know what i mean like um yeah i was gonna say maybe the endurance one is it silences it instead of shackles um but you know what i mean like it's pretty easy to i think fill those out i think that's a cool idea though it's one i'd like to see Got a couple questions about alternate game modes with uh, additional lanes or additional players, you know, like two-headed giant and stuff like that. I know that um, the guys at Bethesda, somebody at Bethesda commented on Reddit recently about this, said that they have no plans to do it at present, but, you know, they are aware that some people are interested in doing it. I think the problem, I mean, like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, which I probably am because I don't know shit about computers and stuff, but, like, I think the problem is probably one of, like, the, the engine for the game, right, is designed to uh to handle a certain kind of game which is a one versus one game right and i think incorporating us like two additional players into that would require a completely different like program i mean you're not far off um nice. I, I was <laughs> i was gonna answer that question twofold um one i was gonna say that when they say they have no plans i don't think it's because they don't want to do it i just think that right now if they had uh you know if they were to release their internal roadmap i would personally uh if i were a betting man wager that they care more about um getting the core game like up to snuff and polished and with all the features just for the core game experience that everybody wants right snappier ui different game boards avatars all those things that people are asking for i think is likely their initial like focus so yeah. it's probably just too far out on the roadmap. And then I think that part two of it is kind of what you were alluding to. To mm. allow for, like, Two-Headed Giant, for example, um, there's a pretty extensive, like, coding overhaul and Q&A and so forth that would need to be done and developed. And you have to kind of, you know, put your business hat on and say, you know, what's my, um, what's my return on investment there, right? Like, if I'm going to put in you know thousands of man hours into getting this new feature out like how many players are going to utilize it you know how how does this bring a new experience um how do we monetize it like i know that yeah i know that's not the fun conversation that we want to have about our games but like at the end of the day it is also like a business and there has to be a model for it and i just at least right now 
when there are so many other glaring, uh, you know, features missing for the base game, I just don't think that they're in a position where they can undertake such a big overhaul. That's not to say that they don't want to do it. It's not to say that we don't want to see it. Um, yeah. It's just not likely in the near future. I agree. I mean, I don't even know how they make money now with the the generous free-to-play model and Twitch drops and no yeah. like alternate art pumping out for me to keep throwing money at their faces. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I probably spent $5 or $6 when Heroes of Skyrim came out. That's it. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think I've spent money since Heroes of Skyrim came out. Like, Yeah. And that was just to buy like some some promotional thing. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I was the same way. I think they had a, the, whatever the promo was. And I think I bought that. And then that was it. Yeah. And that was just because I, they gave me an excuse to give them money. It's not that I don't want to. I love the game. I want to give them money. But right. It's, you know. Yeah. I got all the cards. Or I have the resources to craft them. I mean, and, and you and I got... got uh paid basically to promote the game the expansion with uh with card with card codes and we both gave them away right yeah 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 we both did yeah but i mean i i know that you and i are also firmly in the like oh we got free stuff let's give it away camp like i'm that's true any, that's true man any code that i've ever gotten i've given away yeah. and i know that you've done the same same here yeah that's cool that's true, but I mean, like, it is at the point where, like, I, I it's if like if I'm offered alternate art or avatars or some stuff when the next ex, uh, expansion comes out, like, I'll I'll drop money on that just to support the game because I love the game. But I do wonder, I how they make money? No idea how. Yeah, no, I mean that that was like partially me making a joke, but also me being legitimately serious. Like, I don't I don't know how they make money. <laughs> I no want idea. to give them money, and I, I again I feel like the easiest way. To monetize it is you know custom avatars different game boards alternate art yeah. cards like i'll throw money at you all day long bethesda right. and direwolf um yeah but yeah it's an interesting question not one that i i have to assume there it's not one where we'll ever get an answer to <laughs> uh dave modi i i did spend about 150 dollars in this game at one point when it first came out of closed beta yeah, yeah. I mean, similarly, uh, back when it first came out, you know, I bought one of the big pack bung bundles that I did for a YouTube video because I wanted to yeah. do like a, this is what you should expect roughly if you buy one. Um, yeah. You know, I bought, uh, whenever they've released anything, like when they did Fall of the Dark Brotherhood, for example. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bought Dark Brotherhood too, and then gave um, away the copy they gave me. Yeah, I was just gonna say Madhouse, um, any, same, any, same any of those things, right? <laughs> Justin and I are in the same boat. Whenever they do those things, yeah. him and I pay for our versions, and then if yeah. Bethesda is generous enough to give us a code, we always give them away to yeah. one, give back to the community, and two, it's our way of like supporting right. the game that we love. Exactly. Um, but you know, that's like once every three months, right? So. Right. I mean, have we spent money? Yeah, but like, I'd be willing to spend more. I'm not saying, hey, like, make me broke, but like, right. you know, I remember, um, you know, spending money on a WoW subscription, right? So, like, as far as I'm concerned, give me, give me a reason to spend five or ten bucks a month on this. 
right? If it once once a month, give me an alternate art pack for five bucks. Sold. I'll do that every month. Uh, auto renew. Yeah. You know, it, it, you made me wonder. Think about something, which is, uh, what do you think about a business model where it's like, wow, right? Where you pay fifteen bucks a month and then you have unlimited access to the cards. Um, I think I would be okay with that or kind of what I was alluding to. I would love it if uh, once a month they came out with um, like bundle packs, right? Like yeah. may maybe it's a uh, every month they release like an alternate art cards, one custom avatar and one other cosmetic thing, right? And yeah. each one of those is always $4.99 or you can spend like 12 bucks a month on a subscription and you'll always get all three. You know what I mean? Something like that. Sure, absolutely. Hmm. That's cool. Because I think that the packs are still really important because um, you might have access to the cards, but you're going to run into this weird, like, what happens if you lapse on your subscription? Right? Yeah, How is your collection true. reflected? What about premium cards? Like, I don't think that having it reflect your collection is right, but I, I do think that if they had you know like some sort of like loot crate if you will but for in-game items that you were just getting you know monthly because you'd subscribed uh i mean i would i would do that that's a good point because i have a subscription to elder scrolls online that i pay for every month <laughs> even though i don't play that game that much and what honestly keeps me paying that 15 dollars a month is that I get those loot crates that I can then put my characters in to dance in places to make dance outro videos. <laughs> right. It's just, you know, like you feel bad until like you get your yeah. once a month item and you're like, Oh yeah, this is really cool. I'm glad I'm doing this. And I would, yeah. I would totally do that for a card game. I'm, I'm actually kind yeah. of surprised that, yeah. uh, you know, more card huh. games haven't done that. I'm sure that somebody's done some market study, right? right. And there's probably a reason behind why they don't do it, but I really feel like if it was just like for cosmetic items and whatever that yeah uh, like i know i would spend money on it so i'm sure that the business model they have now where you buy packs i'm sure that <laughs> and i don't mean to be too cynical here but like um don't i've spent a lot of my time studying addictions counseling <laughs> like i feel like the model right now is set up sort of like some vice industries where uh, a small percentage of users um, subsidize the cost of entry for everyone else because they spend a oh, vastly disproportionate amount of money. Absolutely. I mean, that's the that's basically every game that is uh, like a microtransaction business model. It's one hundred percent it. Like your goal is to get the whales, right? The whales, what they're called. Um, right. Yeah. I mean that that's it. But I'm just also saying that like you could still leverage a a steady income i think if it was just for that small amount right like everybody yeah. is doing their their business model for the whales um mm -hmm. but i'm saying that you can like have your cake and eat it too if you offered something else even if so like hear me out even if it's not like alternate art stuff like maybe mm -hmm. maybe the problem with doing something like that is that um, you know, I don't know the time and the effort and the, the money costs associated with alternate art, right? Like, I'm not going to pretend to. But um, Gwent, for example, has a type of currency that is entirely meant for, like, upgrading your regular cards to premium versions. 
So like if they introduced a third kind of currency and my monthly subscription gave me X amount of, you know, gold bars to turn my whatever, <laughs> right? Like I would spend five bucks a month just to have a steady like income of premiums. Yeah. Because again, like I'm, I'm into the cosmetic stuff. Like that's something for me. Like, are you trying to tell me CVH isn't going to auto subscribe to, to that if that's, and, and there are others like us. I know that there's not uh, a lot, but. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I got I got a premium high Rothgar, man. Like, that's, that's all I need. <laughs> oh, and I have a premium spider worker. And I have a premium golden saint. And I only kept the golden golden saint because I thought it was funny. <laughs> I, needed, I needed to be able to say golden golden saint a few times. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I, I have golden golden saints and I did it for the same reason, but yeah, there you go. Well, dude, you got golden Gerald foragers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you just gotta, <laughs> you gotta do it. Uh, Dano, uh, says whale is such a distasteful and insulting way to refer to the people who are maintaining your business model by themselves. Uh, interesting fact, uh, that term is actually originated from casinos. So if you've ever heard about like, uh, high rollers going to casinos and then they have um, like their rooms comped and depending on how much you're spending you might even get your own personal handler right people that are literally there just to make your experience um, you know pleasurable and keep you on the gambling floor and do those things like that's actually where the term comes from so does it sound distasteful yeah probably because it came from people who run casinos <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but yeah, like that's, I mean, the idea is that like there's, there's the fish and then there's like the big things in the ocean. Right. And so it's whales is how they refer to it, but that's actually a casino term. I like it. Back in my previous line of work, we called them junkies. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like I, I include myself in this, like I spend money in this game and I love this game. And I, and I totally understand the appeal of having all premium cards. I get it. It's not a problem. I don't know that there's anything inherently wrong or immoral about capitalizing on a small audience to support something that a lot of people enjoy. No, there's. I think if like there's I think not. if Legends was out there, like if people were like you know s stealing stuff from their parents to pay for their Legends fix, like then we'd have a different kind of discussion. But. Um. <laughs> I mean, I, I would just throw this out here and say that, like, you know, that's an entire political platform. <laughs> <laughs> ha having, yeah, yeah. having a few pay, yeah. pay for the many. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm all for that, right? Like, Spock is on board with this thought, too. <laughs> so, uh, Nasdaq uh, says, Trevor, how far along are you and Justin with your Centurion title? Uh, I have three games in. I got them today. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> I have zero on Centurion. Um, yeah. There are two two reasons for that. One, I'm waiting until I pull a Dragon Mound. I refuse to craft it, and I haven't opened one yet. And two, because I'm still farming the Godforsaken Play Shouts Draw Nords one. Um, every time oh, I play the Ulfric decks... Ulfric is like in the last 10 cards of my deck 
I've had to use like four of my six shouts just to survive to get to where I drum. And then I yeah. either die when I drum or by the time I play him and I'm in a position where I could maybe draw some Nords, the people just concede because they assume I'm trying to win despite the fact that I've not attacked you at all and it's a casual game. Like I just am still grinding the fucking Nord one. Yeah. So I've done no games on Centurion yet. Like that's the next one once I'm done with the Nord one. But the Nord one has been like I got the Gortwog one so much no. faster than this Lucky stupid bastard. Nord one. The Gortwog one will get me the mad. Yeah. That's the last thing I need for that. And I think I need like four orcs at this point. Yeah, I I did the Gortwog one um in less than a week, but that's because okay. I got really lucky and I had one game where I pulled twenty three orcs with Gortwog. Because I was yeah. in casual and somebody uh, quickly identified, this guy's playing orcs, <laughs> but he's not attacking me. And so yeah. I played Gortwog, and he just let it yeah. roll, and then I conceded to him at the end, like, out of respect. But I seriously got over yeah. 20 orcs in one game, so. That, that is how I got the the Clone Master, the one where you have to have three copies of the same legendary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing Wispmother Assassin. I was gonna. My plan was to clone Ungolum. My opponent figured out what I was doing, got me to one, and then Ungolum was the last card in my deck. <laughs> and let me this dude let me draw every card in my deck. I was so 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 happy with this guy that I posted on Reddit like thanking him, like telling him he was an awesome dude and stuff. Like this was a real bro. <laughs> this was cool. I will say uh, um, about uh, Gortwog. Uh, next time we have an adventure or or a story thing. I'm going to complete that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. know. I didn't know why I didn't complete this and follow the Dark Brotherhood. I just it didn't occur to me. I, I even remembered to complete some other quests that were going to be really tiresome otherwise. But yeah, I mean, if you don't know this, uh, you can the first time you complete missions in adventures or in story mode in the very first uh, the intro to the game, before you beat that mission for the first time, you can complete quests in it. So. Uh, that's a good way to just kind of cheese out some titles that are hard to get. Like uh, in The Immortal, the one where you have to have 100 life, that's a pretty easy one to pull off against certain AI decks. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, I had already done all of the, what I'll call like core set titles when uh, Fall of the Dark Brotherhood came out. So like I didn't, I didn't have that ability. But yeah. there's a ton of Skyrim ones I don't have done that I will likely abuse against AI the next time that's available. Absolutely. Yeah, it works when you go back into Masters too, but I beat Masters in the original in like the same week or same couple of days. So <laughs> when yeah. I readily remembered what I was needing to do instead of just like trying to prove myself how awesome I was, I, uh, <laughs> I, I decided to make a mental note to not do the exact same thing again in the future. Yeah. And in fact, I got the one where you have to summon Devaith Fear's daughters 20 times or whatever. I got that one by just drafting Devaith Fear every single time I played Solo Arena and then setting up board states once I gained control of the game and I had Devaith Fear where like I didn't care if I won or lost I just needed to summon like six of his daughters <laughs> that's really funny I got the one for dealing damage with Iron Atronach before oh, yeah. I ever opened an Iron Atronach I got all of that from Arena nice that's nice yeah I uh I used to play Iron Age Knock on the ladder, so yeah. I got that one pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, you know, you you high roll and whale you with your 
Bro, I killed a guy with an Iron Nature knock today. <laughs> I know. I was watching, and it was fantastic. And I stand, yeah. I stand by my line of play was better, though. I think you should have played Gravesinger and then looped yeah. your uh, Blood Magic Lord, but... That's true. Hey, Heat Fire Ash, don't worry about the fact you don't iron, own Iron Atronach. Uh That card has hidden text, which uh, is sort of like how Daggerfall Mage is always in your hand on turn two or three. Um, <laughs> iron Atronach reads, your opponent is about to draw a uh, Manticora or a Territorial Viper. <laughs> oh, see, for me, it's always uh, Leaf Lurker. I don't know what it is. It's always Leaf yeah, Lurker. Yeah, Leaf Lurker, too. That's the third one, yeah. But, I guess there's Sanctuary Pet now, but nobody's played Iron Atronox since Sanctuary Pet got printed. Right. <laughs> I I even own premium Iron Atronox. Do you really? I own two of them, I'm pretty sure. That's what's up. Just because I opened them, like not because I crafted them by any means. Right, right. I should find an excuse to play those. It's fun. I still, you know, it's not it's not a terrible card. Yeah, I still stand by. I really want Mage's Guild Retreat to be buffed to include all of the Atronox, and then it might actually see play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 incredibly powerful, Dano, but uh, its weaknesses are just too glaring. It's it's actually kind of funny to me because as much like hate as Quinwall Burglar gets for being unplayable, I think that even Burglar is still probably better than Iron Atronach. Like, at the end of the day... Yeah, I, I agree. You can't answer a Burglar on turn 5 or 6. You're probably gonna lose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Playing an Iron Atronach on turn 12 in no way guarantees your victory. <laughs> yeah, like, not, not only have they had twice as many turns to draw the answer... But there's a solid chance that like you can't even play the card because it won't right. be enough to stabilize. Right. And yeah, like, yeah, I wish the card was better. It'll see it'll see play the moment that we find zero cost ways to reanimate uh, it to give it charge. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> if if we get zero cost. Uh, items in blue i'm trying to think are there zero cost items in blue aren't there daggers mm, i think the only zero cost item is red no we got uh oh yeah right the daggers cost one yeah but i mean if you're playing atronach you're in ramp so maybe that's it i was just trying to think maybe you could play a sorcerer deck where the idea is to um use the enchanting support to give your items charge and then play iron yeah. atronach and give it charge I'd be down with giving Iron Atronach charge. <laughs> yeah, right? There's your, I'm trying to get your wheels turning. I like this. Hold on. Let me do some math here. In Sorcerer, you could ramp to a point where you can put a Mentor's Ring on a Shadow Mirror and give Iron Atronach charge. Yeah, that that's also another possibility. But even without Mentor's Ring, I was just thinking about, uh, again, the support that makes any... Any equipment you draw, get a random keyword. So you just have to roll charge oh, yeah. on, a, in, on an equipment, and then you can also roll uh, Mundustone yeah. for max memes. That's true. I don't remember who it was. I saw somebody on Twitch one time uh, with a Mundustone out, two Flesh Natronox in hand, and like 40 creatures in his discard pile. He's like, oh, there we go, Schwitty. Yeah, he was like, all right, we, we got two chances of this. <laughs> Sure enough, he hit it. <laughs> yeah, those those are 
those are the dirty ones. Like, they're so satisfying, but, like, they simultaneously yeah. make your skin crawl. You know, there was a time when Munisone saw a lot more ladder play than it sees now. I'm glad those days are over. <laughs> you know, you've said that, and now it's going to come back. I'm sure You just will. brought it out of the shadows. I'm going to have to save oh. up and craft a premium one now. Premium, premium Mundustone? Yeah, it's, it's actually funny you mention that, because I threw it in my Control Mage uh, yeah. deck the other day, just, like, for giggles. Like, I legitimately, <laughs> I was like, I know I'm making this work, uh, I, like, against my own best interests, but I just really wanted to give Undying Dragon charge, and in my head, that was the way I was going to do it. I like that. So I was running, like, three Devourers and Mundustone, and... I agree. You know what? Zombie Hunter 9x19 writing about the legendary Blutes of Binding Speed and then somebody, uh, Doc PBGB, writing about all the artifacts. That would be a hell of a mini expansion. Right? The Daedric artifacts. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever get a, like, a neutral Boots of Binding Speed, though. Like, we're never going to uh, get a neutral that give would, something charge. Yeah, that would break the game. 100% that'll never happen. But <laughs> like I think I would love to see the Daedric artifacts as an as an expansion. I think in one of my episodes of the Forge, I had said like I wanted to give us like have a support read, give a target creature every keyword, and I think that I made it a unique legend that costed 10, and even in yeah. my video I was like this might still be too broken. Like the idea of just even at yeah. a huge tempo loss, the idea of giving something uh, charge and it can be anything in the game is like backbreaking. Yeah, I agree. Dano writes, uh, Mundus is pretty much in the same category as Wab, dirty if playable. Yeah, I agree. And Mundustone unfortunately has seen play from time to time in good decks. I mean, I, I hope I'm not like playing the Necromancer here, but. If there was ever a time to play Mundustone, a time when Shadowfen Priest is being ran in twos and Belligerent Giants are... <laughs> is nowhere to be seen. Well, I mean, they're really just like in Unstoppable Rage decks yeah. um, would probably be the time. That's true. So I firmly support the <laughs> mid-mage Royal Sage Mundustone. Oh, God. <laughs> You know what, I think though, I think honestly, if Mundestone's good in any deck right now, I think you could put it in Ramp Scout and be pretty successful. Oh yeah, I think I think that's probably fine there. And I would also say that um, if you could get enough d defense into any Alter deck, I think that it actually shines on Alter decks too. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that those Rothgar Warrior decks, you know, you're already rolling dice, why not double down? And I think part of the thing is with those decks is that those uh, decks run a lot of prophecy creatures and yeah, randomly giving your keywords to your sharpshooter scouts. See, <laughs> for me, I think that the problem with the Rothgar ones though is like you already take like almost like a zero tempo turn when you play Forge, and taking a right. second one for the Mundustone early is probably not okay. But the reason that I would justify it in an Alter deck is if you yeah. if you already have your altar in play then the turn you play mundastone you're just triggering altar to get immediate value out of it so it's not as bad still yeah. not great but potentially not as bad dude wasn't it in the heroes of skyrim preview event 
when you and I were playing against each other and you had Echo of Akatosh on the table and your Odavin got, was it Charge or Drain? I think it was Drain. Yeah. See, that's the sort of thing that I just don't need happening. <laughs> I, I will admit, um, <laughs> like six or seven months ago, and I think there might even be a clip of it on YouTube somewhere, but yeah, um, I was playing a Control Mage that again was running Munda Stone. Um, yeah. Because I, for me, like control decks, I think are the safe place to run Munda Stone because typically those are the decks you're most likely to take like negative tempo on because you're just like sitting back and yeah. rolling drain, rolling guard, those types of things are much more, in my opinion, important in control decks. But um, yeah. I was playing it in Control Mage, and I play Odaving. My opponent is at less than 10 health. My Odavine gets charged, but I pass the turn because I'm so used to like playing Odavine and then passing the turn that like oh, I completely God. miss lethal off of uh, a charging Odavine. And I'm just like, ah, that is amazing. Yeah. Cause like who, who's, who's expecting that. Right. Like, and I even, yeah. even as I was clicking the arrow is like, that's weird. It wasn't, Oh, too late. <laughs> I've done that with similar effects in Eternal before. Yeah. I have to admit. Zombie Hunter 9x19 writes, I just realized this is pretty much the official bromance of the Elder Scrolls Legends community. Yeah. I mean, we're like the only two content creators who like regularly do stuff together, I think, right? Um, I don't know. Like... I don't know if you would count like the casting stuff. Right, like oh, Link, Link and Jim class get together and they cast the one tournament, and obviously, yeah. like uh, you know, Schwitty and the other guys from the championship series do their casting. Um, That's true. You know, Jim class also does his podcast, so yeah, which is a good listen. I mean, like I I enjoyed being a guest on his show a couple times. Yeah, no, I I like Mike a lot. Like he's yeah, he's, he's funny. Good people. I agree. So. That's what's up. Um, I was gonna say yeah. right, I think it's a good time to probably do last call for the uh, questions. We're just Let's do it. just yeah. past our two hour mark. Just usually, yeah. Our... We, we <laughs> once again completely succeeded at hitting fifty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Fun fun fact: when him and I first started talking about doing a podcast, which was like months ago, we talked about doing one for like months, never did it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. when we were talking, we were like, "How long do you want to do it for?" And I was like, "Well, I don't." I don't know like, like let's target like an hour right <laughs> we we have never been under two hours not once. I know. yeah oh dude we should play divinity original sin 2 together that game is fucking sweet <laughs> i'm sorry man like i love that game um sh sure like i don't own it i don't know man. it's okay here's the thing it's it's so dry. I would never watch anybody play this game. <laughs> it's an isometric RPG, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know why, but I really enjoy playing it. <laughs> I mean, that that's fine. There's plenty of stuff that I enjoy playing solo. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I like I, I recorded and narrated two Heroes of the Storm games, and I released those on uh, the YouTube channel only to realize like narrating for half an hour a single game like totally ruins the fun for me and like even though the videos were received all right like i cannot do that to myself <laughs> yeah if i was ever going to do a single player game like video for youtube it would be one of the yeah. like no narration only game audio 
like yeah. those run-throughs, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So, uh, Jay Merrick wants to know if there's ever going to be a set of cards based around Horse Armor DLC. I think Horse Armor absolutely must be a monthly reward card. Yeah, sure. Down I mean, uh, I've already joked that I want a player housing expansion. Yeah. <laughs> Hearthfire. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Let's get on that. Like, if I can't, if I can't get married to the cards on my board, then why am I even playing this game? Absolutely, it's important to me. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Oh, what happened to Tiny Grimes? Uh, Tiny Grimes now streams and releases videos for a Star Wars card game. I can't remember what it's called. I don't remember the name um, of it either. Yeah, I see him going live all the time. He plays Legends from time to time. He's on my friends list. Uh, I see him playing every now and then. Yeah. Shinara says that uh, they are interested in Hand of the Gods. Um, yeah, I've been playing that. I've been playing it a little bit as well. I plan on doing... like. I plan on doing it for a bunch of card games because I've been playing a bunch of stuff lately, but I plan on yeah. doing like intro, like get to know the game uh, videos for Hand of the Gods, Shardbound. Yeah. Um, God, what's the name of that other one that I was just trying? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Dano's got the point. Hand of the Gods is nowhere near balanced <laughs> no no you can in my opinion uh 100 tell it's not made by card game players um, absolutely uh, duel, absolutely. duel of summoners um that's another one that i was gonna potentially show um and then maybe another mobile game like i know i did the one video on final fantasy brave exvius which is not a card game but it's a mobile game that i'm hardcore addicted to but I've yeah. been playing another one that's going to be... Uh, it's currently released in Japan, but it's going to be released globally soon called The Alchemist Code that I'm also really enjoying. So um, cool. I've got some, some non-Legend stuff coming just because I've been playing uh, a lot of different stuff because I haven't had the opportunity lately to sit and play the way I want. So it's for yeah. forced me to try new things, but uh, yeah, I, got, I, I got some Legend stuff on deck as well. Man, I just recorded three hours worth of fucking video for Legends today, dude. I'm chopping that up and turning that into YouTube videos for a week. <laughs> I mean... I mean, it sounds fantastic, so... It is. Um, Sandra just got a job as a contract employee for the nonprofit that I work at uh, to do video editing, like, record and manage their YouTube channel and stuff, and actually got it on the strength of the work she's done on, on my channel. So she's going to be using the editing software, and we only own one computer, um, to do that for a while, too. So having that content already recorded is going to be huge for the next week. Are you guys interested at all in Magic the Gathering Arena? Yeah, I signed up for the beta. I have not gotten an invite. Um, I would say I'm loosely interested. The only reason that I am not as interested right now as uh, maybe some of the other creators is that I've been playing Magic for legitimately so long that I already know what to expect from it. Like it's either gonna it's either gonna be bad or it's gonna be good. But even if it's good, it's still just Magic. So like for yeah. me, it's more of a I just kind of want to see what their roadmap is for it as a platform, and then I'll decide if I'm diving in. But to me, like 
I'm more interested in trying out like new card games that I've never experienced before than just playing like a new way to play a card game I've been playing for two decades. So like I'm not saying that I won't play Arena, I'm not saying that I, I won't uh, enjoy it, I'm just not as excited for that as something brand new that I've never played before. I agree. I mean, I'm going to play it because, like, I enjoy magic and I'm not burned down on it, but, like, I have a lot of other things going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's where I'm at. And if it's free, awesome. That's what I can afford. Yeah, I mean, if it's free, but, like, let's be honest. <laughs> That's true. You're going to end up playing a bunch of craw worms if you're not <laughs> unloading money on packs, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll say last question here. Nasdaq wants to know if either of us have ever played Netrunner. I assume he means Android Netrunner. I've read about it, but I don't, I've never played it and I don't know what it is really. Um, I played it a bit a couple of years ago, but not like super heavily. But again, like I'll try any card game. Um, so like I, I played a little bit of Android Netrunner. I went through a phase where I played like a lot of Dominion, a lot of Ascension, um, there was another like pirate themed game that was very similar to uh, Netrunner that I played for a bit. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a card game sucker. Like I'll play just about anything for a little bit. It's just whether or not it holds me is the real test. Yeah, I agree. It's always possible something amazing comes out. There's a Game of Thrones game? Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, there is. I know which one he's talking about. But I'm also a huh. Fantasy Flight nerd, so... Speaking of which, there is a Fallout Fantasy Flight game uh, coming out, or might even be released now. If not, it's coming out soon that I'm really excited to try. Huh. I, cool. I have, like, you can't see it here, obviously, but I have the World of Warcraft Fantasy Flight game, like board game like literally right there and a bunch of other fantasy flight games um huh. arkham horror is right there um anything that like requires me to punch out tokens for like half an hour and then take another <laughs> hour to set up the board is my kind of board game like i like board games that you got to take like a vacation day for so mm. that's me fair enough all right so, uh, yeah. Great show, man. Great show. Well, yeah, I mean, you showed up. No, no, dude. It was, <laughs> it was a team effort. I'm sorry I'm a little low energy. Like, I didn't realize how much, uh... The other stream was going to take out of you? Yeah, man, I'm sorry. No, you're you're only low energy because, like, it's approaching, you know, end of the day for you, so... That's true. I've been up for a long time. I am tired. Um, dang, I don't have a you've probably You've probably been up longer than me, actually. Man. And what's crazy about my job is that, like, I don't know, like, it's not physically demanding at all. It's just, like, at the end of the day, I'm so emotionally taxed. Like, I have to go do something else after the end of the day, yeah. you know? I know what it's like to be just mentally exhausted. Yeah. That, that's what I try to blame all of my play mistakes on, but nobody believes me. But like when I've worked two yeah. jobs and then I come and I'm trying to stream and pay attention to chat right. and also play a game, like I'm legitimately mentally exhausted. My plays yeah, at my plays at two AM are way different from my plays at like six PM. That's true. That's true. 
so I agree with that. I play much better on the weekends when I don't work. Yeah. But I mean, I, I right now I'm working six days a week. Like this is like the downside to being a salaried employee, right? Like they're like, hey man, you got to yeah. get all this shit done. <laughs> and I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I was I was salaried for six years, so I know what it's like. Yeah, well, it's all new to me, man. I mean, it's an interesting experience, like finally adulting at my age, right? Because like, you know, my only previous work experience is like I was a f- fucking janitor in prison, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I have work experience like since I got out, like doing you know nonprofit work. But before that, like I just kind of sold dope, and I wasn't even that good at that. So, well. Let me just say right now, publicly, <laughs> that uh, I feel for you and I empathize with you and I know that you just started grad school and as somebody who uh, yeah. also worked full-time uh, as a salary yeah. employee and did grad school, um, yeah. I know what you're about to go through. I also did it with small <laughs> children. So Right. See, I just had the cat. So, I mean, you once again, you got me here. So, I'm just you saying, like, you can feel yeah. free to uh, call me anytime. I will do your homework oh, for you. Good looking out, dude. <laughs> All right, man. We're going to call the show here, and I'm going to continue streaming like I always do afterwards, but I think this was good. Yep. This was fun. Yeah. If you guys have any suggestions for things you want to hear us talk about, or like even challenges you want to see us involved in, like uh, Creatureless Challenge. I know there's been some talk about like the Singleton 70 card deck challenge, which is something I think we're going to talk about. Um let us know, and we will do our best to entertain you. Yeah. Bye. See you next week. Adios. <laughs>